Bong Joon-ho is a tremendous director whose library of films is absolutely, utterly fantastic. And we are going to go back and watch one of his first American breakthrough successes. But first, I have to issue an apology on all of these names that we are going to mispronounce for the next hour plus. We're talking about the host. Miles, how are you, buddy? Doing pretty well. How you doing, Drew? I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine here as we celebrate a movie that is oddly uncomfortable to watch as we round out a year of pandemic so far. <laughs> We're about at that year anniversary, and it is very weird to watch this movie. We'll talk about that later. I don't really want to get into that right now. Yeah, we, we're going we're gonna to speed through our, our our intro today because we are going to be joined by a special ghost and we cannot wait to talk to him. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. So inspiration for the host came from two things initially. And what she said, he was- the, the host, uh, Bong Joon-ho's monster movie from 2006. We'll just go ahead and throw that out yes. there. Uh, when he was a teenager, overworked from cramming for exams, uh, director Bon, Joon, uh, bon Joon-ho thought he saw a monster climbing the Jamazil Bridge from his apartment window. While imagined, the image of a monster threatening the Han River stuck with him. And so with that in mind, the second came from a scandal in South Korea in 2000 when Albert McFarland, who was an American civilian running the morgue at the U.S. naval base or military base there in Seoul, ordered the disposal of 470 bottles of formaldehyde and embalming chemicals that ended up running into the Han River. So this is double the amount that we're going to see in the opening of of this week's film. Yeah, that was to find out that that was real was a weird thing yes because the explanation in the movie is not great uh, so due to his first <laughs> feature barking dog is never bite which received critical acclaim and his second memoir memories of a murder receiving both critical acclaim and box office success bong joon ho was awarded a a budget of 10 billion korean won it's about 10 million u.s dollars well that sounds like extremely modest here in the states it's a huge amount it's a huge amount by korean local standards uh, but still, for a blockbuster, the sum made it a challenge to create the creature itself in the movie, which cost five billion won, about five million dollars. So half of the budget is going just to the creature itself. Uh, the creature, which receives absolutely no name in the film and has not been given one by its creators. This is not a a a Cloverfield Clover monster right. situation uh, was modeled by Weta Workshop, who you may know from doing all of these stuff for Lord of the Rings, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies with animatronics done by John Cox's workshop, uh, who did Babe uh, and and uh, the CGI work for the creature was done by the orphanage, who did some of the vi- visual effects for the, the film The Day After Tomorrow. And some of these scenes were shot on location in the real sewers of the Han River, which is which. I can tell you feels pretty right, uh, but that was often troubled because of the unpredictable weather on the shooting locations. So the host was released in its home country of South Korea on July 27th, 2006. 
uh, where it had, it had sold over 13 million tickets by the end of its run, making it, at the time, the highest-grossing South Korean movie of all time, which is nuts. Yeah, The film itself kind of got rolled out throughout the world in festivals and limited runs like here in the States. And, I mean, the reaction was about the same. It holds a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and became... For, uh, for South Korean cinema, a box office smash, earning the equivalent of $89.4 million on a budget of about 10. So this movie octupled its budget. So everyone was completely thrilled. And it's, it's almost prophetic about how much impact uh, Bong Joon-ho would have even later down in his career, especially with Parasite winning uh, all of the Oscars. Uh, last year and, and we can't forget snowpiercer was a pretty big success as yeah. well no i mean he's he's been snowballing his success i mean from the beginning i mean his his career has been really really impressive and i mean he even got a uh, that uh what was that movie for netflix okja oh yeah forgot that was him too yeah and which was really really good i really liked that movie and it's just he's had such an interesting uh incredible career and I, i'm i'm I know I'm, I said we would rush through this, but I'm just I'm super excited about talking about this movie and this director because there is a lot of, I think, uh, thematic threads that run throughout his filmography. And it's interesting to see some of that that we see maybe in Parasite in 2019 existing in some capacity in 2006's The Host. And that's something that we will definitely talk about. But Despite the host's massive success, many plans have been made concerning the IP, yet nothing has ever materialized from that. A, th- a 3D sequel was announced in early 2007 with a, a different director. Director Bong claimed to have been only interested in making the one single monster movie. But an, after an FX demo was revealed in 2012, nothing else has been announced. Universal Pictures announced it was remaking the host for American audiences, which <laughs> I don't know how you do that uh, successfully, I should say, uh, in 2008 with Gore Verbinski producing, but it's been in development hell ever since. And finally, in 2009, a first-person shooter game was announced, but nothing has ever been seen or heard of in any capacity be after that, so most people just assume it's, it's done, it's dead. Yeah, which I'm honestly fine with this being a single entry film. And I apologize. I know we said we were going to rush through all of that, and we absolutely did zoom through all of that. But it's because we have a very special guest with us this week. He's a friend of the show. We have both been on his own show. Welcome to the show again, TV's Travis. Hello. How's it going? Going well. Thank thank you for taking time away from watching movies to watch another movie and from talking (laughs) about uh, Scottish Immortals uh, to talk about (laughs) (laughs) Korean Korean River Monsters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I Um, when when you mentioned uh, watching this movie, I jumped at it because I I just I love this movie so much. So uh, what I was going to do at the top of the show and, you know, we're moving to to this portion uh, one thing we didn't really talk about last week, Drew, is uh, any personal relationships. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put this with uh, both of you guys uh, with monster movies themselves. Are you guys monster movie fans? Did you grow up being big monster fans, or is just something that you kind of occasionally, oh, I like a good little you know monster mash every now and then, but it's not really my bag. Like, what what are what are monster movies in your life? Because we are dedicating this entire month to them. <laughs> 
honestly, I'm a fan of monster movies. You know, growing up, it was those were the Saturday afternoon uh, cable movies was Godzilla or Gamera or some of the, the old, you know, Toho monsters. Mm-hmm. But but I also uh, even newer ones, stuff like Lake Placid was one that I went and saw in theaters. I love that movie. That's a fun. It's amazing. That movie. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Betty White and Oliver Platt. Like it's it's great. <laughs> um, uh, the Relic was another one um, that I enjoyed. I like a good monster movie. There, there's something about them. I'm not, I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I guess maybe it's just the, the man versus nature type thing. There's, there's a lot of aspects to it. I think there's a lot of, a lot of fantasy involved. There's also, I think there's something attractive about something you, there's, you have no hope of controlling. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'll say miles, you have been privy to, about 90% of every monster movie that I have watched. <laughs> this is, it has <laughs> largely been, and, and I say, I, you know, I say that, but then I think about all the times that I watched tremors and tremors Two on great ones, the sci-fi network and USA networks growing up or, or watching anytime MST three K would do an old monster movie, mm-hmm. like the, the couple cool. of Gamera movies or a couple of other random monster movies. And- I would even say that some of your favorite, your, your preferred stuff, which is more of the giant robot, the mechs um, and uh, transforming vehicles, not necessarily transformers, but like your Macross and stuff. I think there's shared DNA in science fiction of these, just these giant things. Like there, mm-hmm. there's something about these giant things um, because. And it's funny you mentioned Macross or as, as a lot of Americans would know it as, as Robotech. Uh, like the only reason that robots exist in that besides from being cool is because they know the aliens that they're going to fight are 40 feet tall. So they have to build robots to fight them. A reason because if, if you took the same design of your, your, your RX uh, 78 Mach 2, if, if you took that design, but made it a person size, it basically, it's a common writer. So there was something obviously yeah. different about something being giant. Now we're not talking about a giant monster this week. It is a little bit different. I'm glad that both of you m- mentioned two creatures that it shares more DNA with than Godzilla, which would be but, Tremors and the Relic. However, mm-hmm. I do want to say that that there are because I haven't seen the Relic. I've seen Tremors, of course, but uh, I want to say that there is some creative DNA with Godzilla. Because oh, if, you look at, if you look of at the if you look at the original Godzilla, it was a a reaction to the dropping of the atomic bomb on Japan yes. d- bombs on Japan, and and here we have in this movie a monster that is seemingly created by using this real life event of an, uh, a bunch of formaldehyde being dumped into the Han River, and the Han River is a, a major river in 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 South Korea, and that causing the creation of this. And this, this is one of the opening scenes in the movie. And this is what I, th- I found very interesting. You have this starting in 2000 and then you see every couple of years a little bit more about this thing. Somebody finds the monster when it's a little tiny in a teacup and they let it get away. And, yep. and, and we see th- there are some things that I don't quite understand about this, like why that guy's jumping off the bridge. Uh, when he was committing suicide, well, I- like he was a salary <laughs> man that was committing suicide and like he just happened to see the monster there, but it didn't stop him from committing suicide. See uh, that, that 
that seemed like it made it seem like there was and maybe this is just i watched i've watched more recent bong joon ho movies where way more stuff matters but uh it seemed like there was more to that than i was giving it credit for i don't know yeah no no there's there, there's that much what here, here's a, a very funny detail that when when reading about this movie it kind of made me laugh because there are political themes in this film. They are, as uh, director Bong calls them, they're soft politics. He does not there. They exist through the lens in which he views the world, but they are not, it's not social commentary so much. However, <laughs> a lot, a lot of uh, critics and uh, news outlets picked up on the political things and obviously ran stories about them. Uh, particularly the depiction of the U.S. military in this film. And so while he says it's just based off of how people were acting in South Korea at the time, it wasn't critical of the United States necessarily, um, This the instance that, that this event is based on of uh, the guy dumping 470 bottles of formaldehyde uh, into the, the Han River, that caused a large... I don't want to say anti-American, but definitely an uh, antagonistic um, feeling at the time because of the uh, the U.S. bases in South Korea, and because of that, this is a very rare South Korean blockbuster film that was lauded by the North Korean authorities, (laughs) (laughs) which I I find just so funny because of how petty that is. Yeah. That that's pretty good. I mean, it's it's such a it's such a, an interesting thing. But I I have to say, when it, when watching this movie, and we should probably talk a little bit about the plot and the characters. Um, oh, absolutely. Th- there is. Uh, I do think that this movie is while the Americans are the power structure that that is kind of being uh, criticized on some level. Uh, not every American is villainized. In fact, one of no, the first not. one of the first American characters we meet is uh i believe they call him uh sergeant donald but it's actually that's his first name uh, he's this american dude that when the monster first attacks he teams up with with uh uh gangu uh who is the sort of main character portrayed by uh song kang ho which who you have seen in so many other uh uh bong joon ho movies he's He's in Parasite. He's the dad in Parasite. He's uh, he's I think he's in Snowpiercer. I, I, mm-hmm. He's been in a bunch of them uh, and they are fighting the monster together and they're saving lives. They're actually accomplishing. They save a bunch of people in, as part of this process. And uh, and that dude is, is kind of lauded as a hero for this. Yeah. Yet there's a little more to it that I'm sure we will get <laughs> to. Uh, so we we are introduced to the Park family who runs a little. Uh, a little like I'm not exactly sure what you'd call it. Like it's, it's a, it's like a little convenience store or bodega. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Except it's, it's like a, if it, if it was a convenience store or bodega that was set in half of a mobile home. Kind of. Yeah. It's like a shipping container almost. Yeah. And they do, they, at least sometimes they do sleep there. Uh, I'm not exactly Mm -hmm. sure uh, how, how much that actually happens or if that's just something we see at the, the beginning and the end. And uh, so we have of the park family, we have Gong Du, who is the, the our sort of main character who is a, a dad, a father of, of uh, Hyun Seo, who is 
a a preteen student who is uh, uh, coming home from school. He's got his sister who is Namju, who is an archer and she is a national like competing for the gold medal in national archery. Uh, his father, uh, Hebong, who is uh, just sort of the, the guy who runs the shop. He's, he's a lot older, uh, obviously, because he's the dad of a dude who's already in his probably 30s or 40s. And uh, and we were introduced later after events of the movie to Namil, who is a who is the the brother that went to college and was a political activist in college. But now that he's out of college, he is uh, unemployed and yeah. an alcoholic. <laughs> As you do. And, and, and all yeah. of this, all of this stuff is so. Like, it's so interesting to talk to, to, to look at the context of this, because I, I mentioned uh, Namju, who's the archer. She ends up flinching and getting bronze in that. And I think back to because, to, again, I. I have overanalyzed Parasite. The the mom of the family in Parasite is a national silver medalist in shot put or or or, or disc, maybe it's discus, whatever the 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 Olympic style sport she's doing. And that was a huge point that was never mentioned. It was only you only paid attention to it if you had somebody that was showing you all the context of Korean stuff in the background. And it's just that that idea of things that is so early in this work, you know, 15 years before Parasite happens. I find that so fascinating. And and all of this other stuff that, that really doesn't matter for the sake of a of a of a monster attacking them, but you've got mm -hmm. th you've got like your of our of our five main characters, you've got four very different or, or uh, a parent and three very different siblings all being a part of this this organization. Yeah, I, I love the fact that like it's a monster movie, but your traditional monster movies, you've got your monster and then it's either like a some sort of a military or a scientist or somebody that's going to stop it. And this was just like random people that happen to have a vested reason to find. I mean, you know, Hyun Siu gets taken by the monster and it's just following this family trying to get her back and they're dysfunctional they're just they're just a mess they've got the alcoholic the the i mean namju is probably the most accomplished of all of them and she's a bronze medalist right it's not the it's not the gold nose well, and, and, and even gongdu is and even they criticize her for like she <laughs> she can't run she's slow and she gets left yeah. behind and and that sort mm -hmm. of thing and and then and then gongdu is is just a we learn a little bit about why he is the way he is, but he's sleepy. He's got bronze tips in his hair. He's. <laughs> Which, what by the way, can I just say like Kong, uh, Kong Ho Song or Song Kong Ho, that dude can look so different from role to role. It's in, it's incredible. Even in this movie, the wild. shots of him right at the end, I hadn't seen it since about 06, 07 when it came out, when I, when I saw it, um, at our, our local film festival. And I had forgotten about that ending part where, yeah. you know, during the snow and all that. And I'm like, is this, this even the same guy? It took me a few seconds to realize, no, it, it it's the same, same actor. Well, I mean, uh, he has such an incredible filmography. I forgot he's in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and lady vengeance. Like he's, he's yeah. been in like, not just, uh, you know, classic uh Bong Joon Ho movies but like 
the the vengeance trilogy by uh park chan wook is a very very uh venerated uh korean i don't want to say action but i'm dark action drama trilogy if you haven't seen them uh sympathy for mr vengeance oh boy and then sympathy for lady vengeance or i think in the states it's just called lady vengeance uh all three phenomenal films and he's just a phenomenal actor like ev- mm-hmm. everything Congo does i think that he brings something different too and i think you're right he's he's a chameleon like yeah every t- every time you see him He's doing it. He's, he's not he's not being typecast. He doesn't look the same. He's always doing something very different. And I think that's. Uh, incredible, I, I really know, I, I think I, he's I, I, the actor, I have to say, and I say this from a a very. Like a a a, a, a single language speaking white dude that has looked at the multiple of performances that this particular actor has said, has done in a language that I don't speak natively and rely on subtitles for translations. You can still tell the acting work he's putting in even, mm-hmm. even beyond that. Cause this, this character is a way different character for than his character in parasite. I'm sure it's very different than his character in, in Snowpiercer. I, I just, that, that dude's tremendous, and most yeah. of his cast is tremendous. Uh, the the actress uh, by uh, by Duna who plays uh, Namju, she is probably the most. I would say before Parasite came out, she's probably the most known uh, South Korean actress in America. She was in Jupiter Ascending. She was in Cloud mm. Atlas. Uh, mm-hmm. She's she's she was on Sense Eight. She's like she worked with the Wachowskis a lot apparently, and. Uh, and she has been in the 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 Netflix. I, I know it's Netflix in the U.S. at least. Kingdom, which I think is the uh, the zombie series that is based in South Korea, but it's like a classical South Korea, like back in mm. back in the old days. Uh, well, let me see if I. Can. Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I I. I I haven't watched it, but I, I've seen I, I as have, I scrolled through. I haven't either. It's got two seasons on Netflix <laughs> right now, so we could all go and watch it <laughs> right after this. But uh, but yeah, again, but this this guy, uh, Bong Joon Ho, the director, gets he gets so much out of people, and and if you look at this, like even even Shun Seo, the 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 teenage the teenage girl, she has worked with Bong Joon Ho on on a few films as well. I mm-hmm. want to say this she's is her, great. I want to say this is her first major role, and it was. She knocks it out of the park in this. Absolutely, oh, she's out great. Of the park. Yeah, she actually was. So she was the the daughter to Kang Ho Song's character in Snowpiercer as well. They played father and daughter in that. Um, she was the one that could hear. You know, it seemed like oh, she had the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's one of those where it took me a minute to realize, oh, that that's that's them again. And I knew it when I watched Snowpiercer, but again, that's that chameleon thing. And and Bong Joon Ho just does such a great job. You're right of getting so much out of people and, in and these movies. I just the dudes like the 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 it's it's so interesting to because again, this movie was 15, 16 years ago at this point. Now it it's God, I can't it's, believe how long ago. It's so yeah. interesting to see, and and you know we watched Cloverfield last last week. It is very interesting to look at this movie and compare it to Cloverfield, which was a year later. Like how much 
you know what was going on there, was there there is some similar dna uh in, in terms of these being uh, both kind of aquatic themed monster movies but not just that i travis mentioned it earlier and we talked about it last week about how these are monster movies that are not about scientists they're not about military personnel or reporters or any any type of profession that you usually get in your standard monster movie or any showa era godzilla movie let's say yeah yeah so and so we, we should probably go through a little bit more of the plot so uh as I, as I think about this, we've talked a lot and haven't really said anything about the movie so far. So, uh, so they, the, we're at this, this little, this little stand, this little convenience stand. And, uh, all of a sudden there, there's a, uh, uh, this monster. And, and unlike a lot of movie monsters, this is not a huge monster. It is about the size of a, of a, of a, not, not even the size of an 18 wheeler truck. Like it's, it's, it's about the size of an elephant. It's a little longer, but a little shorter. Mm-hmm. But uh, and it shows up and starts attacking people, uh, and and after <laughs> after Gangdu throws a beer at it, and it eat, and it eats the beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, well, so in it, well, that's... in in the in the uh, let, me, let me just get through this one in the 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 commotion. Gangdu teams up with with this American dude and they fight the monster with, with stuff and, and, and they think it's going away, but then it comes back and, and it comes back right as Hyun Seo comes home from school and he sees her and they, and it's panic and he grabs a hand and turns out it wasn't Hyun Seo's hand. It was some other student's hand. And we see Hyun Seo dragged by the monster, by the tail into the Han river across the river and then swallows her and disappears. Yeah. And at this point we think that she is dead to fast forward through, through the next few stages, everybody that was involved is being quarantined because of this virus that they think the monster has, is giving off. Uh, except that there's this point about uh, the cell phones that was introduced earlier when uh, Gangju's phone goes off in the middle of the night and it's Yen Seo calling him to say, I'm in a sewer, help me. And that is all they have to go on to try to go and rescue Yen Seo and, and find where she is. And that's really what the movie is by that point. The rest mm-hmm. of the movie is is the family coming together to try to you know, no one's listening to them. No one's paying attention to them. No one's, no one wants to help them and trying to, to find where, where this, this, this monster is hiding Hyun Seo. And, and what happens after that is, is, you know, tragic. So very, <laughs> yeah, this, this movie does a lot. I mean, everything it does, I think it does right. But this movie does a lot of things that I think buck the trend of the monster movies. We already talked about the the main characters themselves. But mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, even though you don't see its full face, and that's something that he was asked about, and he said, I thought it would be stupid if you did. Um, he wastes absolutely no time. You see the monster in broad daylight within 14 minutes of the movie beginning. Yep. I mean, yeah, this which movie is- starts... Yeah, it, it that totally bucks the trend of the, you know, the Jaws idea of hide your monster. Don't show it. Make people wonder what it's going to be. 
and build the tension that way. And you just said, nope, we're going to show it. We, we got a monster. We paid for the monster. We're going to show the monster. We spent half our budget on the monster. We, yeah. we were going to see this the, monster. The very first time we see the monster it is literally hanging from its tail by the Jamsil Bridge. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't know that that's a Jamsil Bridge. I'm just assuming based on uh, Bong Joon-ho's story about it. But no, they call, they, they said it was something else. Um but that, that is one of the things I really like is this isn't uh, this isn't a monster movie that I've seen before. Right. It was very different to see, especially. So I mentioned I saw this on the festival circuit. We have a local film festival here and it was one of every year they have a couple oh, of uh, of midnight movies. And the, the year that this one hit was it was this and it was Black Sheep um, and Black Sheep was oh, a. Uh, and, uh, the so New Zealand zombie, zombie sheep. sheep. Yeah. Yep. Was that Peter so, Jackson that did Black Sheep? No, no. but he, I think he produced it. Yeah. I, I want to say he Either produced it. Either him or Edgar Wright. I knew he was involved was, in some capacity or thought he was. Yeah. Because New so, Zealand. Right. And so I got to see this then. And it was just unlike monster movies that I had seen because of exactly that. They jump right in. They're showing you the monster. Broad daylight. The characters are very different. I'm trying to follow it. And it it can be a little tough to follow at first just because it jumps around. Like you, we follow one character for a little while. They get split up. We're with the brother and then we're with the sister for a little while. And I just, I like, I like all of that. It was so different. And that's what really uh, stuck with me was that it wasn't, it wasn't the same monster movie that I've seen a bunch of times. And there's nothing wrong with those. I love uh, a good monster movie, but this was a, a better monster movie because of those things. One thing that um, director Bong does so well, and he kind of does, he kind of flips the script when he does Parasite, he does it a little bit differently. But what's atypical, especially of Western monster movies or Western uh, big budget blockbuster movies, is there's always what some people call the distracting humor. There's always the snarky person or Mm -hmm. a moment that's objectively funny, but it's sort of out of character for the rest of the movie to, to ease tension, to uh, placate the crowd, how, however you want to uh, kind of dissect it. But in this film, there's so much humor, but there's also scenes that in any other movie would be extremely humorous, but they're played so starkly straight that they're extremely unsettling. Mm-hmm. And I think his ability to, to play with tone and to play with scenes where there are some th- things that are objectively funny in this movie, but it's also because you see that these, this family is kind of pathetic, as he puts it. They're, they're not too different from the family in Parasite, to be honest. And yeah. I think what makes this movie the soul shine is their mission to, to save Hyun So because... I think that they all kind of it's it's not said in the movie, but I think there's an impression that she is kind of the enduring legacy of the family's potential. She's the one that could possibly make something of herself. Well, you say that, but I mean, so I think she is the. I I, I don't want to read too much into to the culture of, of South Korea at the time, because there's enough in here that lets us know that there is something going on that that at least me as a white American, I do not understand. Um, and that's especially true when we meet the two young brothers and they, they were introduced to this. I, I should have written down what the concept was 
Uh, but well, the, I know what you're talking about. But but yeah. uh, they're, 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 they 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 oh the the um the kind of thieving rights or whatever. The thieving they, rights. It's not it's not it's not thieving. Um, I can't remember what it's they the, call it's, it. It's, yeah, it's it's a say something. But uh, they 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 are so it's it's these two two homeless say children. Sayori. 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 That's it. So they they, they raid the our our main family's uh shop after they are uh all sequestered and quarantined and going through the sewers and trying to find it and they and one of the kids <laughs> finds a bunch of money and the the older brother says no you leave that there because if we take it it's theft and that's wrong but what we're doing is sayori and even that mm. brother comments on how times have changed between our generations the generations are moving so quickly because it was it's basically is if i understand it correctly the concept of hunger beats theft right. the, though they are stealing they're stealing for the sake of surviving for appetite for 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 yep. for eating right and that is and, and- is different than stealing money which is financial gain. And then later on, the dad of our main family mentions the same concept. And that was an interesting, interesting thing for me. And that's, that's one of those things that it makes me look at again. I I hate to keep comparing this to parasite because it's just, (laughs) no, there's there's some clear DNA Mm -hmm. despite being completely different genres, the characters, and it's not that he's repeating himself, but he's, I think that he's sharpening his skills in the family dynamic that he completely knocks out of the park in Parasite. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And and I want to bring up a one other scene when it comes to that, because we need to talk about Namil, who is. Well, the, I thought this started with you disagreeing me, with me about the daughter. You didn't finish that thought. Oh, because she's a <laughs> she, she's a bronze medalist. She's like Namil. Nam, Namil went to college. Namju went Nam, to Namil did, but Na, Nam, Namju was get... a national like she's on newspapers and things like that. But when I say that, but but when it comes to Hyunseo, she is so far the youngest member of the family. She is the next generation. And all we know about her is that when right after her mother gave birth to her, she disappeared. We don't right. even know the mother's name. The mother is but, not named in the movie and they regularly criticize that that act that we don't know that we know nothing about. I think, honestly, this is mostly just showing that no matter what their societal differences may be, you have a, a national icon for archery. You have uh, a a. When you look at, I would consider, especially when one of the first big things to come out of South Korea in the last few years that the world surrounded was Gangnam style, which is all about classism in South Korea. Uh, you've got this idea that, oh, there's a I went to college. I'm a better. Do you mean man. the last few years at the time of this movie? Or are you talking about the last few years in general? Because Gangnam Style is like a decade old, my friend. I'm talking about. I'm talking about when when America realized that South Korea. Okay, was a okay, thing. okay. I just wanted to mm-hmm. clarify because I was like, you're skipping a whole generation of K-pop. No, I no. I mean, <laughs> sure, but but that but but that's what I'm talking about. Like well, there is there is a a a classism thing there's a class struggles in south korea that we as americans only see through this lens 
And so I'm, I may be interpreting things in a way, a way that I, that is not accurate, but it seems to me that like, you've got the dad and Gongdu who are working in this tiny little and working and potentially living in this tiny little, like half a, half a, a crate store. You've got Namil who went to college and is unemployed, but is clearly not living there. He's got some mm-hmm. other place that he, he exists. And he dresses fairly nice. And he dresses really nice. And you've got Namju who is on television, on newspapers. She's on ESPN shooting arrows at things. You have all the, so this here's, huge here's dichotomy the of these of these of these characters. And then you've got Hyun Seo, who is effectively, and, and I, I don't mean to say this uh, insultingly because this is this is what the the the, the grandpa says an accident her birth was accidental but yeah she is not if that makes sense so the thing about her about about um namju is that yeah we see her on tv and we see her place bronze but we get we get the sense that you know while she might be on TV and she might be uh, somewhat of a professional athlete that, you know, she's also kind of dysfunctional the way, Mm -hmm. the way the father especially talks about her. There's just a vibe that you get that, that none of these people are, are are very successful. And what makes me think that they, they believe in Hyun So is this family is so dysfunctional. I mean, the, the uncle can't even pick the daughter up on time and it, it they don't he, seem to want to have it wasn't have, pick, pick her up on time he went to talk at her school on parent day oh right and he came <laughs> yeah. drunk and he came drunk but they don't seem to want to have anything to do with each other except when it comes to hyun so and i think yes. I, I that is a good that's a very good point that that there's a lot of it, hope wrapped up in her too in in fact honestly uh the one scene where Namju brings her gold medal and the, the camera's focus on her. So she's walking bronze. up to Brom, the bronze medal when she's walking up to this little kind of, uh, guess a memorial, memorial. they've set up yeah. for everyone. The, the physical acting that's being done by, um, by Duna is incredible. It's it's such a harrowing scene, and 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 what follows is a scene that in any other movie they would have tried to play it up as a comedy. And there's a cultural thing about public um, mourning, so that that is a cultural thing. And so them falling on the ground, crying, even, is is even, even though even though it, it it is blocked like it's supposed to be funny, it's ostensibly extremely upsetting but even before they get to the public morning she just won the bronze medal she's carrying it like a participation trophy it's wrapped around mm-hmm. her hand she's got her her hands down it's just dangling there she has to it, kind of wait lift it up to show the picture of Yanseo to 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 even to even show and then the dad is like oh your aunt brought you a bronze medal bronze bronze and and that that's just it's all of the acting in this i i legit think that namil actually kicked gongdu in the face in that it certainly looked like it happened that was (laughs) from what i read that was actually improvised so yeah probably 
Like that wasn't blocked as part of the scene and he just did that. So I could buy that. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that whole scene, we, we should probably fast forward through the rest of this movie because we're getting, we're, we're, we're about the 40 minute mark (laughs) so far. So I'm going to fast forward right now so that we can talk about some of the story beats that happen, because there are some things that I am not super happy with the movie about. And it's not because of the way that things turned out. It's just because of the way that things were presented. I don't know. Let me get through it. So we find out that uh, there is no virus, the virus that the 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 governments of Korea and and the in the United States are talking about. There's this whole thing about Agent Yellow, which we haven't even brought up yet, which is that was going to be de- how, used to deal with the the virus that outbreak. Um, a lot of this stuff is very, very weird to watch after a year of pandemic uh, <laughs> and to watch a bunch of Korean people wear masks improperly. It's just a weird thing. I don't know. Like mm. um, you you've got uh Namiel's friend uh, the the big dude who uh is is about to sell him out uh however yeah. in one of the best technology moments they triangulated the the cell phone s- call to a particular mm-hmm. tower because that's of course how you would do that that's exactly how you would do it and in the beginning of the movie they make it sound like they would never go to that length for for just some nobody but it's l- the easiest thing to do with cell phones. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a, a fantastic moment that we actually get that payoff. And, and ultimately we, we learn where it is. You've got, you, we find out the virus is fake. It's being faked by the Americans that in a way that we can only kind of read into why it's being faked. Uh, you have this, this dude with a cross eye, telling him about how there's no virus and then proceeding to order a, a, uh, a, a lobotomy for him because that's where the virus is. It's like, what is going on here with this evil American? And, and ultimately they, and, and, and meanwhile, Hyunseo's alive in the sewer. She saved one of the two brothers. The other brother died as and sadly just died Never not like this is the thing about the deaths in this movie. None of the deaths are ever given. I don't want to say wait, but they're not. They're give, not movie deaths. They're not movie deaths. That's why I like them. And th- and that's and it works on a way that is more impactful because of that. Like. Mm-hmm. We, we we at the end of the movie, we have Namil, Namjo and Gangdu. Uh, unfortunately, the father has died by being killed by the monster earlier in the movie in a just brutal fashion. Um, finding, yeah, yeah, finding where Hyunseo is, trying to save her, attacking the monster, the monster taking her and going back out, and then them Agent Yellow being deployed, which seems to just kind of choke the monster a little bit while they f- all fight it, and uh, and Hyunseo dies Mm -hmm. and we never we're never shown that movie death we're just shown the body and the hope that maybe they'll revive her but they don't revive her and it's just like that's like the biggest gut punch of this entire movie that it's supposed to be not not only does she die but she dies in just such a and i don't want to say this this offensively in such an off-camera way and that is yeah. 
that is such a ugh, for this whole thing. Yeah, but because I, I go ahead. I, I had honestly forgotten that she died at the end, like that. Like I, I throughout the entire I movie, too. and it was one of those where it's like, so we've spent this entire movie with her being not not getting killed initially like we thought being, being this badass little kid trying to find a and, way out trying yeah, to she's surviving other people. all of this and then and then yeah you're right you don't have that climactic death you don't have that hollywood death like it it could have been when she tried to to get out and the monster grabbed her but no it didn't it didn't go there and so you're right you're you're left thinking okay she's going to get through this she's going to get through this and then it just nope she's dead we're just that's it and and you're right you you spend that entire scene where he gets her and he pulls her out of the the mouth of the monster like okay she's gonna wake up now this is the part where she wakes up where her eyes open oh well no dad has to go and fight the monster but but auntie and uncle are gonna get her back to life they're gonna cradle her until she's suddenly like (gasps) because also that happened multiple times earlier in the movie with other characters with her (gasps) and just and it doesn't happen well, I think mm-hmm. it's also, again, about defying expectations of a monster movie, about being the antithesis, antithesis about, of a lot of those things. And I think the movie works best because she doesn't make it. Well, it's I definitely much more impactful of a it, movie. It's an impactful movie, and and because you also see that... <sighs> The characters that survive don't necessarily change from what we see. Because the one weird thing about this movie is because maybe I've been been conditioned by other films. The way time passes in this movie is much, much slower than the cuts and breaks in the action make it. They make it seem like, oh, this is this is days, weeks later. And it's like, no, it was last night. Like the, I feel like the way, the way, I feel like the movie is three days. It is, but it feels well, because of the way things are cut. It feels it does like feel longer. Much more time yeah. is compacted in those three days, mm-hmm. and that throws me for a loop. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think the thing about Hyun So's death, in particular, is that one. It's also the kind of storyteller that director Bong is. You know, he's he's not going to give you the the neat happy little ending he almost never does mm-hmm. like even snowpiercer doesn't end particularly rosy no i think okja might be the only one that kind of does i think that might be his only film that that does i couldn't bring myself to watch okja because i assumed it was going to have a uh, terrible no good, very bad sad ending you you, you think okja is <laughs> gonna be the ending that you got from the host um okja from what i remember is is a pretty sweet ending i mean but i look at i look at this i look at again this movie versus something like parasite and i see very similar things going yes. on but oh another another thing that i really liked about this movie it, again was a lot of the plays with comedy like when you have these these certain scenes that you think would be played up more seriously like their escape from the hospital like i thought that would be a they, they would take that a lot more seriously and that's uh, almost three stooges level slapstick <laughs> it is when when namju can't keep up with the rest of the group to get into the van and they have to yeah. drive around the parking deck so she can catch up <laughs> it's so funny it's 
It's so good. Even when the uh, when they're first, you know, gathered together in that that memorial room, and a guy with a hazmat thing comes in, he slips and falls, and then yep. he's he's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to tell tell you. No, I'm just going to show you on the on the on the news. Even, even oh, even, the news isn't on. Even before that, <laughs> right. though, they are the 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 family. The Park family is sprawled out on the floor. Pictures are being taken of them by press on scene, and in the background, this dude is like. I'm looking for a, a Hyundai with license plate, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm looking for, and, yeah and exactly. This, and then this woman raises her hands like, how dare you park there? You're not supposed to park there. How could you park there at a time like this? It's just this very like weird, funny thing that's going on in the background of this family that is floundering uh, over the loss of, of, of a child. And, well, and the movie also makes very cool parallels that you have to kind of you have to pay attention because they're, they're they're not subtle but like for for example when they're watching the contest and namju gets bronze because she holds her bow too long she lets go too late and then when she's got her the monster in her sights when she's looking for hun so and the monster's coming at her she's holding her bow and she takes too long to let go and the monster knocks her off the bridge. Yeah. Yep. It's that. And until the very end when cool she parallels, when she picks up that, that piece of flaming stuff and shoots yeah, it at great. the monster that has had gasoline poured on it by the random homeless man that we have been, <laughs> that we've <laughs> yeah. met. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talking about a, a hilarious scene is when the homeless man, like the, the guy's like, Oh, I'll give you money for your bag. And he starts, you know, taking his bag and putting stuff. And then the guy just casually takes this beer bottle and just smashes over his head. Yeah. And he's like, all right, come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so objectively this, funny. This is another thing that I actually love about this movie that we learn that, uh, Namil has been a student protester in the past. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, so we learned that earlier. So he knows how to make he, Molotov cocktails. Well, yes, but, we, but we, when he's meeting with his old buddy, who he was, who was also a protester, it, it even into the point where Namil asked him, "How did you get a job working at a telecom company? How did you study? You were always protesting." And it's like <laughs> I don't know. And that dude is a, a working in a telecom industry and about to sell him out, which is another great escape when. Namil knows how to escape a giant mob of dudes by using a paperclip and a and a power outlet to short out a little yeah, lights. I actually was wondering to myself, would that work? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently. But but yeah, but then when w- w- he's using his student protester background to make a bunch of Molotov cocktails with soju bottles, and that's just like uh, this makes sense. Even mm-hmm. even earlier in the movie, they got guns. They got a bunch of 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 guns from a from this junkyard and and he starts criticizing the guns that they got. And it's like, yeah, why would this dude be criticizing the guns? They have guns. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, South Korea has compulsory military service. All of these yep. people have <laughs> shot guns. All of these people know about guns. Uh, so this this actually makes more sense than I was giving it credit for. But. uh, But yeah, anyway. The host. Plus, you see, well, and and I just want to make one more comment: is you see that black comedy kind of stuff come in. We mentioned um, the car park, but also he gets all of his uh, Molotov cocktails there at the end. And what happens with the final one? He drops it. 
He just drops it behind himself. And it, what's great is that whole moment you see it drop and him turn around and just staring at it burning on the ground. Like, what the hell? <laughs> there, there are a few okay. moments. There are a few moments where they dip into English foul language. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I appreciate when that happens because he's just like, oh, shh. And then they just mm-hmm. cut away. Uh, yeah. For 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 Namju to get a really dope hit by picking up the with her bow and arrow the little flaming rag from it and shooting it at the monster and the monster catching on fire and then Gongdu like single handedly picking up this same thing that he struggled to pick up at the very beginning of the movie this like concrete laden sign he just lifts smashes and just stabs yeah it's so good it really is i that's that's what sets us apart from another thing that sets it apart from your typical monster movie is the the right balance of the comedy to where it doesn't take away from what's happening like it fits right and i also i also appreciate the epilogue of um you know he's got the little boy Mm-hmm. And he the seems boy that to so saved, right? The little yeah. boy that Hyunso saved, and he—I mean—he seems to kind of just be going on with his life. It, mm-hmm. Like it's not like his life is is ostensibly amazing. He didn't somehow get rich off of this thing. Like it looks like they've got their little bodega back, and you know he's living hand to mouth, but seems to be doing all right. This little kid's. uh with him and he makes this great little meal and they just start chowing down. I'm like, he obsessively hasn't changed. He seems to be a better, more involved provider or guardian. guardian. He, he he has whatever, whatever mental or physical or physiological block he had in him at the start of this movie is gone gone. by the end of the movie. He Mm -hmm. no longer has the frosted tips. He's no longer sleepy McGee. And oddly, it is when the Americans uh, try to sedate him, yeah. try to sedate him to perform any tests on him that he doesn't, that he doesn't <laughs> like, like they sedate him and you think, and he doesn't fall asleep. It's like, Oh, cause he's sleepy all the time. Of course, uh, you know, sedatives aren't going to work. And then they try <laughs> to take a, 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 a tissue sample, with this thing, and it's this agonizing scream that they set that scene up for comedy. It is not Mm-mm. comedy. I think I think I it's know. implied that there is some sort of effect from the monster, but not this virus that we've come to believe. Well, that, that because he because because the anesthesia doesn't work on him. The um, uh, the other there's something else that gave him that didn't work on him either. That that leads me to question the the title of the movie, the so host. The, t- the title of the movie is a Western title. The Korean title, I think, is just Monster. <laughs> well, that was <one. laughs> well, so then, much better. <laughs> it is, and 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 it's you know, funny because you know, it's, you know, it's funny is I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and I keep seeing things referred to as the Guomol, the Guomol, the Guomol, which is. Literally. is just literally a monster in Korean. That's 
Well, and that, so, yeah. So the monster in this doesn't have a name. It's never given a name in the movie. Correct. It never, it never gets it. However, it does have a statue. They did make a statue of the monster on the Han River in 2015. Cool. That's awesome. I hope Which it's I easier to get than Clover awesome. because Clover is like <laughs> a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, how was it? Yeah. Oh, just real quick. The, 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 the scene with the father uh, along the riverbanks as they're, they're getting out and his death was, I forgot how sad that was. Like it's <sighs> rough because he, because the father knows what's going on. As soon happen. as he figures it out, like the second he tries to pull the trigger and he realizes what's going on, you can just see the realization wash over him as he's just like, go away, run. But then he still, knowing. he still does the same go on just, casual hand gesture that he had been doing yeah. before it's such a it, and, and that is of all of the deaths i gotta say in this in this movie we see this monster attack a lot of people we don't see a lot of direct violence caused by the monster we see a lot of indirect violence we see it run into a group of people but we don't see it kill anybody we see some death we see some blood but it's not blood caused by a cg creature this is the we do see it vomit up bones. We see it vomit up bones, but that's you know it's vomiting up bones. Who doesn't do that on a regular basis? And one of them's a big old skull. I mean, you haven't vomited up a skull, Miles. Come on. Nope, haven't. How you live? Can't say that. It's at least once a quarter. Yeah. I mean. Anyway, but but the when the father when the the monster grabs him by the you know uses its tail to grab him. We've seen the monster grab other things by its tail prior to it. And jump into the water and swim away with it. But not this time. He uses nope. that tail to slam the dad on the ground. And we come over the ridge and it's just a bloody mess. And it's just, it's just such a. It's such a pretty gut brutal. Punch. I think we're also implied that he does kill the sergeant at the beginning of the movie. We just don't see it. We just hear it. Well, no, because the sergeant lost an arm. That's right. Oh, that's right. Hear. That's right. He just lost an arm. That's right. And then, right. And then we sh- are shown that the sergeant has these pock marks on him from a virus that we find out later doesn't exist and that the sergeant died of the virus. Mm-hmm. Now, what actually happened to that sergeant? We don't <laughs> really know. Nope. Because we find out nope. the virus nope. is not real. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, it definitely leaves some questions. Um, when you get done with it, but not in a way that is frustrating. It's just like, I just, you want to know more. You want to, you want to dive into it more. But at the same time, I don't want a sequel to this. I will say that you'd mentioned that there was the potential for one and all that. I don't like, I want this to be what it is and just leave it be because I, I think it's, it's really good for what it is. It's interesting to watch this movie after Cloverfield, which is, has even more mysteries about everything going on in in it Mm -hmm. and only not wanting a sequel to cloverfield just wanting some answers to stuff introduced in cloverfield the same thing is kind of kind of here i feel like a that part of part of these movies work because we're seeing things through the eyes of people on the ground Mm -hmm. and not you know in fighter jets or bombers or some sort of uh oxygen destroyer device that we might be implementing to to 
Miles didn't even didn't even look at the camera for that one because he's looking nope. up something some something something good I'm sure but I I do a deep goji cut and he's just like Ugh, blase unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable no I, I was I, <laughs> I was I was trying to uh, to look uh, as far as yeah Guomo is what they they do call the monster in in most media even though it's just the word monster and uh Dr. Has, has specifically said that he purposefully didn't want to give the monster a name it was it was something that he wanted to do differently where all the focus of this movie despite it being a monster film is on the family and that naming the monster and giving it any sort of personality otherwise than just being this force of nature would take focus off the family brilliant beautiful mm-hmm. love it 100 agree that's absolutely what would have happened because we would have been talking about you know like even in cloverfield i didn't know the mo- the monster was called clover because i uh, granted that was a fan title it's a fan thing that's been adopted by but it's been I adopted mean, by and everything like just but by, by, at least by like the the ancillary multimedia stuff. I mean, obviously not going to call no, Clover uh, in the film again. I, the, Bong Joon-ho was a fantastic, tremendous director. And you know, this just is just another, another notch in the fantastic film category. I, I, I think that there are enough things that like, I can see that this is a 15 years before he makes his masterpiece. But I can mm-hmm. see all of the threads that will get to that point with years of development and cultivation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's what makes this and why I wanted to include this is it's such a standout monster film because it's not a standard monster film. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and you see the you see the seeds of what what the director is going to be capable of. It's always fun to see uh, a, a director who goes on to do something phenomenal and see what they did and and notice that DNA, notice the the beginnings of that. Looking at like an old Spielberg movie, something like Duel, which is a very simple made for TV movie, but you can see the seeds of what's coming that he'll, he'll be able to do in a few years. Um, uh, I was trying to think watching episodes of uh, spaced with Edgar Wright directing yeah, and seeing what's coming, what, what you're going to get from him and how good he's going to get. Um, so yeah, this, this is the very same thing. It's, it's, it's a combination of not just money and therefore influence, but experience. Like I see, mm-hmm. sh- I see shots in the host that are so reminiscent of shots in Parasite that Parasite does with just more intention than is in the host. And I know that's mm-hmm. a thing that that is like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to insult the host because the host is a, a fun, great movie, but just. Well, it's refinement. It's, it's yeah. maturity. It's, it's taking your, what you're seeing in the host is the raw form of what Bong Joon-ho is capable of. And by the time Parasite comes out 15 years later, he's, he's rounded, he's, he's softened the edges and, and really honed in on what he's good at. Yeah. But and you're it, seeing the start of it here and he and, just refined it. And you see a shot in the host and it pays attention to like four things. 
And that mm-hmm. same shot in Parasite pays attention to 15 things. <laughs> it's, that, oh, yeah. it's that kind of just yeah. extra like, okay, we ha- we can do this and this and this and this and this and this, not just this and this. Well, and it also shows, and I, this is something that I, I repeat often when I talk about genre film, uh, especially being a, a horror fan and a science fiction fan. This movie was made with what's what the equivalent of $10 million. Yeah. It Which looks- is surprising. Well, the they mon- spent the, half. Yeah, they spent half on the monster, and, and, and again, a lot I will of say, it is the monster doesn't. The monster looks it's, good. It doesn't look Cloverfield good. Well, I mean, it doesn't. And look, he he yeah. flat out said the only reason that we that uh, so what a workshop you know just uh, did the model for the monster, and he said the reason that they didn't do everything else is because we couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look two thousand nine Godzilla good. 2009 Godzilla. Was it, was it 20, 2009 or 2011 when that movie came out? 2014. Oh, yeah, I was going to say a couple well, years later. There we go. I've got that math wrong. But, you know, <laughs> no, another but- uh, part of the reason for that, though, is you bring up Cloverfield, you bring up Godzilla. If you look at the palettes of both of those movies, 2014's Godzilla was dark, like yes. a, a visually dark film, and they hid a lot with that. You can do mm-hmm. that. Cloverfield hides a lot with it being at night and the fact that it's done in sort of the found footage style and it's from the ground and you can hide a lot there. This, this monster was broad daylight running around in the middle of a bunch of people. It's, you know, it's fully CG doing little jumps, little tail jumps. Yeah. I I honestly, it's a different thing. It is. And like, here's the thing is like the CGI for me, it's good enough. Like sure. For sure. For sure. I'm fine it, with it. Like I, I see the I see the 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 holes in it, but that's looking at it from a 2021 perspective, not from a 2006 perspective. But I think I th- maybe it's my love of cheap sci-fi, even though this is not cheap sci-fi. But it also to me, it shows what someone who hasn't been spoiled by two hundred million dollar budgets can pull off. And I, I don't mean that as a complete backhand to Hollywood filmmakers, but it's just it, it's 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 always interesting to me what you can pull off and how much emotional weight you can pull it off with when you have to be creative in your filmmaking out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, heck, even Chronicle, which was a little bit pricier, still looks like a two hundred million dollar Akira movie. Yeah, you know, I talked about this recently with uh, RoboCop. And its budget was, I think, seventeen million in nineteen eighty-seven. So, adjusted for inflation, probably a little bit higher. But they had to make a lot of concessions, and they had to change a lot of things in order to fit the budget that Verhoeven was given to make that movie, which makes it stand up better thirty-something years down the road, because they had to get more creative with stuff. And the thing is another example of that, where yeah. it's you get more creative with your your effects and they they can stand the test of time longer i like that about this movie uh i i like seeing what what a a filmmaker can do to be creative with the budget he's given and another thing that this movie does really really well and i've been on this kick lately it is a simple story that has complex characters inside of it but the story itself is dirt simple monster shows up kills a bunch of people grabs a girl family's trying to find the girl that's all you need to know yeah but the characters in it are what drive it 
give me a simple story with complex characters any day because it's going to be more compelling. I completely agree. 100%. I mean, every, yeah, every, every, every character in that film, as far as the family is concerned, ends up being very interesting. And you could have made a movie with any of them as the star. Even, yeah. even characters that we are initially set up to dislike, like Namil, proves himself through the course of the movie. Yeah. And like, there's so much growth out of all of these, these characters. It's so, I, I this movie's great. Well, this movie is really when, great. When you rewatch it, you also see, you see things a little bit differently. So when, when, when the movie starts, like from a Western perspective, a character sleeping on the job, he's a beach bum. He's, you know, just being lazy. And that's the impression that you get. But when you rewatch it, because when you have the 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 uh, the word the context of what the father tells the siblings later on in the movie about why he's the way he is, and you rewatch that scene, and you see even when he you know like, um, that's what and and for context, if you didn't watch the movie with us, basically this is what's like Gangdu was really smart at two and three years old. But this is what starvation does to starvation and and abuse from other people because he Mm -hmm. was partaking in that that. um, Sorry, sorry, yes. But when you see at the beginning of the movie where he, you know, yanks one of the squid uh, legs off of one of the meals that he's delivering and then the father goes and and talks to him about it, I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to ream him. He does it no he, he talks to him very firmly very good and, and and says you can't do this here go give this to them i thought he's about to, you know if this was an american movie the guy would be screaming at the top of his lungs yeah. you, you got one more shot so yep. re-watching that scene you see that he understands that he, while he is firm with his son like when he's like get up and throw something at him he also there there is a love there that he tries to communicate with how he treats him. And and that, Mm -hmm. that just, that goes into just a lot more subtlety that happens in this movie that, that I'm I'm sure there are more of those elements that again, me as a white American dude did not notice or pay attention to because that's not something that I was culturally, culturally paying attention to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is and this is why I, why I wanted to talk about this. This movie is why I was hoping that Travis would join us is I think this movie is it's a great movie to watch. If you are looking for off the beaten path monster movies, and that's what we were more than or more trying to do uh, with this month is to watch and, and suggest to people uh, movies that you can watch if you you want to do something different than Godzilla. And trust me, I've got four or five different Godzillas behind me. I've got a Godzilla right next to me. I'm a massive Godzilla fan. I've got a Godzilla versus Cthulhu poster on my wall. Like I'm, I'm a big Godzilla fan, but I'm also a big monster movie fan. And so what this whole month is going to continue to be about as we ironically build up to Godzilla versus King Kong, because (laughs) that was, that was the reason for the season was to offer these, these different choices and and a lot of them are if you're a seasoned film genre fan 
it's not going to be a massive surprise for you. It's not a massive surprise that we did Cloverfield last week. The host is not going to be a, uh, a big surprise for some of you. And next week's choice is not going to be a big surprise for you guys. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing next week, Miles? So uh, next week, we are going to do the Norwegian dark fantasy film Troll Hunter. Now, this one is going to be once more kind of in the uh, the quote unquote found footage style, but it's more yeah. of a mockumentary. And I do want to clarify, we're talking about Troll Hunter, not Troll Hunters, the Guillermo del Toro CGI animated series <laughs> yes. on Netflix, uh, which we've also done on this show, I think. Um, <laughs> no, no, this is Troll Hunter, and this one is. Uh, this is what I think the few Norwegian films that I think broke the cultural zeitgeist in the States when it came out. And I, have you seen Travis? I have not. It is actually one that I have every time I see it, I'm like, I need to watch that one. And then I pass by. So I'm like, ah, but I'm not in the mood for it. Awesome. And I, it's, I, it's I need to watch week. it. It's one of the ones yeah. that I think, oh, is this one that got remade with a slightly different title in the US? But <laughs> they've they've I think they've been talking about remaking it for a while, but this this one is a kind of uh, a mockumentary about these these guys who are who are hunting trolls. And it's it's gotta be seen to believe be believed, but it's 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 a fun movie and uh, one that is a I think of of the four that we are watching this month, I would probably say it's the I wouldn't even call it obscure, but the most obscure of of the the four that we're watching. I would probably call this one more obscure than the host, just because of uh, Director Bong's career. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I had heard of it, but just in movie posters and chatter. Not like I remember the host getting an actual release here in the U.S. Uh, so that is what we're going to do next week. Troll Hunter. If you would like to reach out to us, give us your reaction so far to Monster March uh, and find out that, you know, we're doing two different podcasts with two different Monster Marches. Uh, that's a weird thing. Uh, the More You Nerds Monster March. You can reach out to us at themoreyounerd.com, at themoreyounerd on Twitter, at facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. If you want to find out about our Cosmic Crit Monster March Monster Challenge, you can check out cosmiccrit.com and find out all the rules for that contest that's going on for our other show over there. And, and if you would like to watch Troll Hunter <laughs> along with us, you can watch it. Uh, for free on YouTube with ads, on the Roku channel with ads, on Hoopla if you have a library card, uh, Voodoo for free with ads, Tubi, Pluto TV, Crackle, and um, Popcorn Flicks. All of them free with ads. Well, there you go. Uh, but you know who's who's not free with ads, but free with heart? His TV's <laughs> Travis. Travis, where can people find you and the things that you are doing? Uh, so I do a couple of different shows. Uh, one's called Wait You Haven't Seen. Both of you have been guests on. Uh, it's where I bring somebody on and we talk about a movie that somebody's never seen before. So we're doing it for the first time. Um, this dude made me watch Judge Dredd with Stallone. And then I went on <laughs> the next week to talk about a different Judge Dredd movie. Oh, I made it up to you. I made it up to you. <laughs> that, reminds, that, that, that reminds me to, to, to tell you something after the show. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I, I came I, on to watch uh, Le Big Lebowski. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, so I just had my hundredth episode a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and 
And if, if you want to find that show, uh, it's tvstravis.com is the easiest way to do that. I also do a show on Highlander, the series called Let's Watch Highlander, uh, where my friend Audie and I are going through episode by episode. We are in the middle of season two. And what I'm finding is that that show, I, I already is a massive fan of the show. There are aspects of that show that are so much better than I remember. Um, surprisingly, the way that certain characters are written or certain storylines are, are handled is way more deft hand for a, a mid nineties uh, syndicated TV show than I would have remembered or thought. And, and so for our one, listeners who watched forever night with us, half of the, of the cast of every episode of forever night was on Highlander, the series. Yeah, it's also true. <laughs> Uh, and that one you can find at anchor.fm slash let's watch Highlander. So yeah, um, those are, those are the shows that I do talking Highlander and talking movies. Uh, I just love doing it. So, well, if uh, I ever find myself with a, a lack of extra podcasts, <laughs> I, I know who I'm going to attach myself to. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking about this one, Drew. I'm talking about our other one. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're, if you're listening to this show and this is the only show that you listen to, well, there can be only one, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know that I agree with that because podcasting is for everyone and for yes. everyone to participate in. But with that said, we are going to end this show uh, tonight after talking about the host, just a fantastic movie. And we're going to end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd. No.